Well, hey, everyone. Uh, great to be with you. If I haven't had the chance to meet you, my name is Michael, and I'm the college-age pastor here at Blackhawk Church. And I just want to say a special welcome to college students who are either trickling in, maybe it's for the first time, or you've been to Madison and Blackhawk before. Welcome, welcome. We're so glad that you're here with us today. Man, I want to meet you. Blackhawk, we want to meet you. And honestly, it's our hope that Blackhawk can become a home away from home for you. So, so glad you're here. And I want to welcome everyone in this room. Thanks so much for joining us. Everyone online, podcast, gospel fusion, a Spanish-speaking, Chinese venue, traditions, downtown, what's up, Fitchburg. I'm so glad that all of you are here today. I love it. Welcome, everyone. Man, and as, as a college pastor, I just get, get pretty pumped that students are coming here. And I also love that Blackhawk is a multi-generational church. Now, I don't know when you were born, and I'm not going to try to guess, but I'll share with you when I was born. I was born in 1985. Now, while some of you are like doing the math right now, getting your calculators out, there's a generational name for people who were born around the time I was born, like 1982 to 1996, and that is called millennials. <laughs> the generation younger, like college-age people, uh, are called Gen Zers, and then above, Gen Xers, and then we have our baby boomers, so on and so forth. But I am a millennial. Any other millennials out there? That's okay. We can, we can clap louder, people. Because listen, we've been through a lot. <laughs> we've been through a lot. So many different changes. It might be another way of saying we're getting old. I don't know. But there's been so many different changes that we've experienced, right? A lot of technology changes too. For example, when I was younger, get this Gen Zers, there wasn't even the internet, <laughs> right? When I was eight years old, the internet became public. Like that's when it happened. I mean, there's been so many different like developments and transitions that have happened. I mean, the computers have developed. Uh, phones have developed. How we listen to music has developed. Gaming has developed. There's, there's been so many things that have developed over time that us millennials and everyone else we've kind of seen. But there's one thing, okay? there's one thing that's held the test of time, right? There's one thing that really hasn't changed too much. What is that? That's the voicemail. <laughs> the good old faithful voice. You didn't think I was going to say that, right? But think about it. It hasn't changed too much, the concept of a voicemail. So I'm going to be honest with you. I don't like a voicemail. I'm not a voicemail fan. Hear me out. I would like far rather text someone than call them, right? Any texting people out there you like to text? Two people. Great. That's, <laughs> that's awesome. But here's the deal. I'm not like, even though like a voicemail has been like the longest friend that a millennial has had, I like to text, but I still do like to call someone. I mean, come on. Like I like to call my mom. I like to call different people. Like I'll, I'll pick up the phone and I'll dial and I'll, wait, you know, oh, I really want to talk to this person and I'll wait and it'll ring and it'll ring. I'm like, I'm finally calling someone first time this year. And then voicemail. Apparently they're too busy to talk to me. Ouch, you know, like, dang it. But that's why we have a voicemail. That's the reason for it. So why am I talking about a voicemail when we're supposed to be talking about prayer today, right? You're like, I don't know. What's this college guy doing? According to the Bible, prayer is a big deal. It's a really big deal. Prayer is how we communicate with God. God's a big deal. Our relationship with God is a big deal. Prayer is a big deal. And for some of us, like we love praying. 
Maybe you knew that today we were talking about prayer and you're like, ah, let's go. I'm the person I just love to pray. And there's other, others of us who honestly, prayer can seem like we're shooting God a voicemail. We're talking to him and we're hoping that he's listening. We're hoping that he's gonna respond. You see, prayer is a really big deal, but prayer can be difficult. Which is no wonder why in the New Testament, Jesus' disciples were like, okay, we get it. Can you just teach us then? Can you teach us how to pray? And Jesus, he's like, all right, I'll teach you how to pray. And he did. And because we're in this series that we've been going through in the summer called Summer Camp, and today I'm your like camp counselor slash pastor, and I'm to teach about prayer today, I want to go to where Jesus taught about prayer because I'm not about to reinvent the wheel. There's a lot of really good stuff there. And when I was thinking about this talk, I read a book called uh, Pray Like a Monk, Live Like a Fool. Awesome title, even better book. I encourage you to read it. Its fingerprints are kind of throughout this, but we're gonna be looking at prayer today. And here's the deal. Throughout everything that I'm gonna say, it's my hope that you can not only learn more about prayer, but honestly, that it can cause you to pray more, wherever you're at, to pray more. All right, if you have your Bibles, let's go ahead and open up to Matthew 6. Uh, It's a Sermon on the Mount. Uh, If you don't have your Bibles, it'll be on the screen. Jesus said, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. This is a pretty popular prayer later after Jesus said this. We call it the Lord's Prayer. That's what a lot of us know it as. And and I want to let you in on something about the Lord's Prayer. You see, Jesus's intention when he's giving the Lord's Prayer isn't for his disciples to just listen and then think, oh, okay, this is exactly how I got to pray. I got to memorize this. All right, God, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. No, (laughs) Jesus's intention isn't for his disciples to just memorize it and then just say exactly that. No, Jesus is actually teaching them a model, a model for how to pray. What do I mean by model? Here we go. Okay, so this is a chair, obviously. You're like, of course, this is a chair. We know it's a chair because it looks like a chair, right? It has a back, chairs have backs, it has a seat, has arms, legs. This is a chair. Let's say now that this is a model for how chairs should look. We're going to create another chair from this model. This is the chair that we're going to create, right? Okay, so this chair has a back, this has a back. It's not exactly like the model, but that's okay because we still know it's a chair. It's a little different. It has a seat. That's great. I like the color. It has arms, which is good. It's kind of like there's creative freedom there. I like it. It's kind of a nice design. It's a little bouncy. That's extra, you know, that's kind of cool. It has legs. So this is a model for how a chair should look. We modeled it from this chair. The Lord's Prayer is a model for how we are to pray. It's a model. It can look different. Now let's talk about the disciples, okay? This is the people who asked Jesus, okay, teach us how to pray. 
Now, you would think that the disciples maybe like were kind of spiritual newbies, but they weren't. They actually knew what it was like to pray. They were fishermen, yeah, some of them, but they grew up knowing how to pray. They would go to the temple. It was just written into to how they were uh, raised. They were people who would pray. But here's the deal. When Jesus started praying, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. They were like, hold up, hold the phone. What's happening, Jesus? Because the disciples were thinking, you're praying something that we're pretty familiar with. You see, Jesus was praying what sounded an awful like, a lot like a certain temple prayer that they would pray, but Jesus was praying it differently because Jesus knew God differently. To Jesus, God was his father or father. They stopped, their ears perked up. Now, you might be listening to me and you might be thinking, okay, Michael, I, I get it. God, Father, I learned that in Sunday school, flannel graphs. If you're millennial, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> you might know that God is a father. Even if you didn't grow up in a church, that concept is, is pretty familiar to a lot of us. But think about the disciple. To a disciple, that concept, that was scandalous. God is my father? They were probably thinking, okay, the Old Testament, like their scripture, there were very, very few times that God was called a father, very few times. And it was hardly ever a title. And now Jesus is saying, okay, when you pray, your posture is that God is your father. They're like, what? Which leads us to the first part of the model that I want to talk about. This is the model on how to pray according to Jesus. Let's call this the, the back of the chair. It's the next slide. It's, um, keep going. It's to know who you're praying to. Know who you're praying to. So I'm talking about God as your father. And I just want to hit the pause button for a second, because I know that some of you, you're listening to me and you're like, okay, that's great. But if I'm honest, I didn't really have a good father. I don't have a good father. And if that's you, I just want to say, I'm sorry. And it's my hope that God can become the type of father that you need today. Sorry about that. But I want to talk about what a healthy father can look like, right? You see, a healthy father is a father who intimately knows his kids. And his kids have an invitation to like intimately like know the father. A healthy father provides for his kids. A healthy father is, is present with his kids. Healthy father loves his kids. And Jesus was saying that when you approach God, when you say you are my father, to have that mindset, have that, that, that posture that God is your, he's your father. And when I think about my father, I think about a chair. <laughs> because there were so many different memorable like conversations that I've had with my father growing up and even now that happened in a chair. <laughs> Here's a picture of uh, my father and I. It's an old picture, but there he is, Donald, my dad. Love the guy. So <laughs> there were so many times where we would just sit down. Maybe we were going to a game or at a game, or we'd just be sitting in the living room, just having a chat, talking. And when I would talk to my dad, honestly, I wouldn't really kind of try to come up with important words. I would just kind of be there and he would just kind of be here and we would just kind of talk. 
we'd talk about anything. Like whatever was on my mind, I would just be in the moment and I would talk to my dad. I wouldn't have to feel the right things and he would just kind of listen to me. What if we took something that can honestly seem so big, like prayer, and what if we made it a little bit smaller? That when we approach God, instead of trying to think, man, I got to use big words, religious words. I got to say the right things at the right time in the right way. Like, ah, I, don't know how to, I don't know how to pray. It's so confusing. You're so big. What if we just made it smaller? We sat in a chair. We knew that God was sitting right next to us. We just talked to him. I wonder what would happen in our prayer life if we approached it that way. Jesus continued. He said, hallowed be your name. Hallowed. Okay, I'm going to be honest. This is where we get to the part of the Lord's Prayer where Jesus uses a word that we probably don't use. I mean, I don't know if you guys use the word hallowed or not. Probably not. I'm not going down the street being like, hey, hallowed people, how's it going? (laughs) Hi, Michael. Hi. Oh, you're doing hallowed? Like, no, we don't use the word hollow. It's like this, this kind of older word, but probably a better translation that we can use is the word honor. Honor. And here Jesus is saying that when you approach God, knowing that he's your father, you're still to honor him. A lot of our fathers, even if they could be good, they're still ultimately fallen, like broken. But, God, but Jesus is saying God is not. God is great. God is big. God is worthy of honor. And when we pray to him like we would a father, we're to still honor him. That's the invitation that Jesus is saying. But there's something interesting also that's happening here in the Lord's Prayer. You see, when Jesus is using the word hollowed, there's something going on because that word hollowed is an imperative verb. So what that means is that Jesus was saying, okay, God, we know that you are worthy of honor. We know that you are great. We know that you are big, but we want to see it. We want right now to see that you are great, that you are big, that you are almighty, that you are the one who is worthy of honor. Let it be known right now, hallowed be your name. We wanna honor you and see it, which really leads to the next part of the Lord's Prayer where Jesus says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come. So here Jesus is, Uh, kind of pivoting from talking about like who we're to pray to, to like how we're to pray. And that's why I love the Lord's Prayer because it kind of encompasses what it looks like to just pray in general, to know who we're praying to. And then the rest of the Lord's Prayer just kind of hits at really important things that we ought to be praying about. And right now he's switching to your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we're going to call this the second part of the model, the seat of the chair on how to pray according to Jesus. That we're to pray for what God wants. Because apparently God has an agenda, right? I remember um, when I was younger, I grew up on the West Coast. And in my 20s, a handful of my friends, we would uh, go to Bend, Oregon on vacation 
And uh, whenever we would go to Bend, we, I don't know if you've been to Bend before, but they have this big river called the Deschutes River. And it became tradition. We would grab an inflatable. Uh, there's a picture of Deschutes. We'd grab uh, inflatable tubes. We'd blow it up and we'd go somewhere kind of uh, near kind of the top of where the river would be. And we would just float down the river. It was really awesome. Summer day, we would just float down a river. We loved it. Now, I don't know the last time that uh, you floated down a river or if you ever have floated down a river. I love floating down a river. But when you float down a river, there's really only one direction that you can go, right? <laughs> like if you're floating, you don't really have a choice. You kind of go where the river is taking you, you know? The current, you go with the current. There was one time we were just being weird. We're like, okay, we're just going to go opposite of the current. So we turned around and we were paddling, we're paddling, we're paddling. We were trying to go up, but then we started to get pretty tired because when you're floating down a river, the river always wins. So we just kind of gave up. We let the river take us where the river was, was letting us go because it always wins, which leads me to the question, leads us to the question, okay, when it comes to prayer, when it comes to God, what direction is he taking us in? Where is God going? And the answer really can be found all throughout the Bible. It's kind of like the, the theme of the Bible. God is going in the direction of redemption. He's going in the direction of redemption. And we see the need for redemption at the very beginning of the Bible. In the first few chapters of Genesis God, it says that God created humanity. He created us in his image. And he was our king. And he, he, his kingdom was on earth. And we were citizens of his kingdom. That's how it starts. Everything was good. Everything was as it ought to be. But then humanity, we rebelled. You see, we didn't want to live with God as our king. We wanted to be kings. So we stopped listening to God. So then God separated himself from us. Because in God's kingdom, there can only be one king. And we're not it. Heaven and earth began to drift apart. And because of that, if it ever feels like God is a voicemail God, it's because we're the ones that hung up. But God is, is not okay with that. He's not a voicemail God. So God, and we can read this after the first few chapters of Genesis, God set into motion a plan that would reestablish his kingdom back here on earth. That's what God did. He came back to us. And we can read what that looks like all throughout the Old Testament, especially into the New Testament. And because of that, Jesus is saying that when you pray, whenever you pray, pray in that direction. Pray in the direction of redemption. When you see something as it ought not to be, something broken, something unwhole, pray that God will make it whole because that's what God wants. When you're praying, don't pray in a way where you are in charge, where you are the king. No, we're, no, we're not the kings. Pray where God is the king, where God is in charge. We're invited to pray in that direction because that's the direction that God is going. We're to pray for what God wants. But that's where the problem is, honestly. Praying for what God wants, because what God wants isn't always what I want, right? It isn't always what we want. 
Embracing God's kingdom, it means that we have to let go of ours. And that's hard. But Jesus knew that. That's why Jesus said, pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Pray that because we need that reminder. Like we need that encouragement that it's all about God's kingdom, God's way, because in God's kingdom, there can only be one king and we are not it. Jesus continues. He goes on to say, give us today our daily bread. Okay, this is the third part of the um, model for how to pray according to Jesus. These are the arms of the chair. This is the arm part. So, So Jesus is basically saying, okay, so we've established that God is our king and we are people of his kingdom. We've established that. What does a king do? He provides for his people. So Jesus is saying right now that we are to pray to a king who wants to provide. We're to pray to the provider. And it doesn't matter if it's a big thing that we're praying for, a small thing that we're praying for. Jesus is saying, pray daily. Pray for our daily bread and trust. Our third thing, pray often and trust. Pray often and trust. That's what Jesus was getting at here. But this is where prayer can honestly get pretty challenging. I know it can for me. I know it probably can for a lot of you. Because a lot of times when we pray for something, we pray for different things, it can feel like God is not only on silence, but we're getting pushed to voicemail, right? Because of that, I want to spend some time in, in talking about it to talk about that. There have been so many times where I've sat down on a chair, either like physically or metaphorically, and I've just, I prayed. And often when I pray, I'll wait for a response. And it doesn't happen. It's like God isn't answering that can be hard. I get it though, when it comes to like some trivial things, because I can pray some pretty trivial things. Like I can pray for some small things and a lot. And I get it if God's like, okay, maybe not that one, but I mean, right? Like theologically speaking, God isn't a genie in a lamp that when we rub, he and ask for something, he's like, okay, I'm going to do whatever you want. That, that would be chaos. Like parents, think about it this way. If your kids asked you for literally anything, even if you're not a parent, you can imagine this, like asked you for literally anything and you gave them every single thing that they asked for, you're like already starting to get anxious right now. Like that would be chaos. Like we wouldn't do that. Your house would be chaos. Your neighborhood would be chaos. Like that would be chaos. God's not gonna answer every single prayer that we do. That would be chaos. We would literally stop praying. We'd be like, okay, This is big. Like, I can't do this anymore. Too much power here. I get it when it comes to things like that. I get it when God doesn't answer those things. But but what I'm talking about is when we pray for things that are more intentional. When we pray for things where the stakes are a bit higher. We go to God and we pray to God for these things. And often it can feel like he's like, oh, I'm going to put you on silence. Oh, you're still calling? Voicemail. 
That's hard. When my um, grandmother got cancer, she was young, so important to me, and I, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed that she would live. Voicemail. When I was younger, I had a job and it was a really, really difficult job. It was a really hard season. And I was trying to get a new job. I was literally applying everywhere. So I started to pray and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. Voicemail. All throughout my 20s and well into my 30s, I was single. Singleness, which is fine. It's okay. But for those people who might be in singleness now or who have been single for a while, it can feel like a Midwestern storm in the summer kind of going in, like loneliness will come and just drench you. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed, help. Voicemail. So many of you right now are praying for so many important things. Your marriage, your relationship status, your health or the health of a loved one, anxiety, depression, loneliness, your financial situation, your job search. Maybe you didn't get into the school that you were hoping to get into and you're praying with all of these things. You're praying, you're praying, and you're praying, and you're praying. Instead of an answer, it feels like God's like, oh, silence. Oh, they're still calling voicemail. Unanswered prayer is the number one reason why I've seen people just leave God. Because it feels like when we pray for these things and we're not getting an answer, it can cause us to question, are you really good, God? Have you been there? Have you had those questions before? I know I have. A little bit after the Lord's prayer, Jesus, he prayed that, or he said this, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Okay, hold up, Jesus. Hold up, hold the phone. Apparently you weren't listening to what I was just saying, right? You weren't listening to me because what you said, Jesus, goes in direct conflict with a lot of the experiences that we can have when it comes to prayer. You're saying that God's answering? Like, what? But this is important because here Jesus is actually trying to get at a deep theological truth, even if that deep theological truth can be extremely difficult for us to grasp. Jesus is still moving towards it. Jesus is saying that, listen, God is not a voicemail God. God is always listening. God is always answering. God is never putting you on silence. God is never shooting you to voicemail. Jesus is saying that God doesn't even own a phone because why would you need to own a phone when you're literally sitting next to someone? God right now, this is the truth. He's literally sitting 
next to you right now. That's how close God is to you. Jesus is saying that God is always answering your prayers, but sometimes it isn't in the way that we want him to answer. It isn't when we want him to answer. And sometimes the answer is just no. No. And why? I don't know. And when it feels like we get a no, especially when we need a yes, like when we desperately need a yes, it can hurt. It can feel lonely. It can be frustrating. I'm going to be real honest with you. I'm, I'm a pastor, but I'm also a person. I want God to do more. I do. We want God to do more. But in some cases, it feels like he doesn't. And why? I don't know why. I don't. But I do know that he's good. I do know that he's good. And for me, that journey, years and tears, honestly, to get to the point where I could be like, okay, that passage, I, I, I don't fully get it. I don't see it all the time. In some ways I see it, God, but I trust that you're good. And Jesus is giving us an invitation, no matter where you're at, to come to the same conclusion to say, okay, I don't get it. It might take years and tears. You might need a community to help you, but to get to the point where you can say, okay, you're good. I trust that. And when we feel the sting of death, injustice, violence, or to pray all the more, your kingdom come, your will be done. Because these things that we experience really are a result of the kingdom that we decided to create when we said that we wanted to be kings. But Jesus is saying, pray for God's kingdom to come because in God's kingdom, none of that is there. And until then, we're to pray often and we're to trust. We're to pray for our daily bread. We're to pray for everything. And when we feel like when we're praying for things, we're not getting an answer, keep praying, keep praying, keep trusting, keep going to pray daily and trust. Jesus goes on. He says, and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So here Jesus is getting at the fourth model on how to pray according, uh, how to pray. And this, this is like the legs of the chair. And this is to pray for our transformation, to pray for our transformation. As we're praying for God's kingdom to come and transform the earth, Jesus is also saying that we're to pray for our own personal transformation. We're to ask for help. But often asking for help can be kind of tough, Right? When I was um, younger, a lot younger, uh, my family, we moved to a small farming town in Northwestern Washington state. 
And a lot of the friends that I made, I found out that like, they knew a lot about farming equipment. <laughs> it was a farming town, like how to operate heavy machinery. And I'm like, cool, the city guy who doesn't really know that. But they were my friends. And when we got older and when we were in high school, a lot of them got a job where they got to operate this, these like large, heavy farming equipment. And wanting to be like my friends, I got a job one summer too. And I was really excited. And uh, I'll never forget when I was with my hiring manager, it was the first day he's like, all right, Michael, do you know how to operate a large machinery? It was like a, a combine harvester. Do you know how to operate it? Here's a picture of a combine harvester. I looked at it and I thought, uh-oh. <laughs> but I didn't want to stand out because like literally everyone knew how to operate these things. So I told him, yes. <laughs> Yes, I do. This is a true story, people. Yes, I do. You see, he wanted to help me, but I was too embarrassed to ask for help. So I said, yes. I'll never forget the first time we were in a, com uh, har a combine harvester. I was sitting down, my uh, hiring manager was sitting down next to me and he's like, all right, Michael, you got to turn the key on, start the engine. You got to pull all the levers you need to pull. He didn't say that. I don't know what he was saying. I was blacking out. And then, and then he's like, okay, then you got to like harvest the field. And I thought to myself in that moment, everything stood still. I took a deep breath. I can still like picture everything. And I thought, fake it till you make it, right? <laughs> Apparently not when it comes to operating heavy machinery. <laughs> It, not only took, it took only 30 seconds of me being in that, car, uh, that machine. I pulled a lever that apparently I shouldn't have pulled. I didn't, there were so many levers. I not only damaged the combine harvester, but I damaged the field and I damaged the crop. That first day of work was my last day of work. Talk about embarrassing. Like I couldn't work there anymore. You see, I wanted so badly to be a certain type of person. In this story, someone who operates combine harvesters. Like I wanted that so badly, but I didn't ask for help. I thought I could do it on my own. And that's the problem that we can face when it comes to our own personal transformation. That far too often, we don't ask for help. We think that we can do it on our own. And if that's you, how's that going for you? Jesus said this. He said, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Jesus is saying, ask for help, ask for help, ask for help, ask for help. Ask for help when it comes to your own personal transformation. Because to Jesus, you can't fake it Till you make it when it comes to your personal transformation. But so often we don't ask for help. We don't. That's the point where we put God on silent, where we push God to voicemail. But Jesus is saying, ask for help for your transformation. God wants you to become a deeply transformed person. And transformation starts with prayer. So here's what I want to do as I'm, as I'm closing. I want to invite everyone, wherever you're at, to pray. Some of you are like, ah, I don't know about that. This is going to be silent. It's going to be on your own. It's not going to be for that long. But I want to invite you, wherever you're at in your journey, to pray. And I want to invite us to pray the model that we've gone through today. Notice the back of the chair. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The seat, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
the arms, give us today our daily bread, the legs, and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, some of you, maybe you haven't really prayed before. It's been a while. Some of you, maybe you used to pray, but productivity has has beaten your time for prayer. It, It always does. Or maybe there's things going on in your lives and you've been praying and you're like, I don't know if I can pray anymore. But maybe you're open to trusting that God's a good God and he's not a voicemail God. Wherever you're at, I want to encourage us in a moment on your own to pray and to use this model, this chair prayer, to pray to the God who's listening to you, to the Father who's sitting next to you, who loves you. When you pray this model, this is what I mean by it. Maybe you're not gonna say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Make it personal because it's a model. Maybe you're gonna say, God, Father, I need you. I've been going through some tough times. Man, things seem dark. I wanna see how you're hallowed. I wanna see how you are worthy of honor. Show me that. And maybe you're gonna move on to the next part of the prayer. And the next part, maybe you get to a point where you're like, I need to stay here because Jesus is saying to pray for provision. I've been praying and I haven't seen anything. So you stay and that's okay. Stay where you're at. But in a moment, I wanna encourage all of us to pray this chair prayer, knowing that your father is sitting right next to you. And then it's my hope that during this week, you'll pray this chair prayer wherever you're at to be people who move towards prayer. So wherever you're at, silently on your own, I want to invite you to pray. And in a little bit, I'll close to pray. So at this time, together, let's pray. And all God's people said, amen.